to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Clearly seen. There is no mistaking what God has created. We only need to go outside and we are left without excuse. We just walk outside and we're left without excuse. You know, our family, we're taking, or we, I should say we may be taking, I still got a, I'm still working on my wife here. Well, we may be taking a big step to get a dog. <laughs> my wife is, she's close. She's close. Right? And so I'm on Pet Finder and I'm looking at all these dogs, right? Huskies and, and, and I, I'm looking at all these different dogs and I'm just like, Whoa, they're beautiful. And Travis is looking at some too, and it's like, oh, these are awesome. And it's like so cool. And I'm like, look at what God has made. And I think that's like my, my you know, that's my selling point. Look at what God has made. They're so awesome. We should get one. We should rescue one. We should go save one. Take care of one. You know, like, they're just awesome. And, um, but I think we're, we're, we're very close. But God has created amazing Amazing things in this world. But like I said, we just need to go outside and see God's creation. We will see his vast creation if we were just to step outside. All we have to do is look around us to know that there is a God. You know, sometimes we go outside and it's almost as if our eyes are closed. But there is a God. Many of you know this guy. Consider an artist, right? Like Bob Ross. Has such the calm voice when he paints. Just the calm voice, right? He's a, he is... Famous for his nature scapes. His distinctive wet on wet style of painting. And his his signature at the bottom of every painting. That lets people know who created his work of art. You know, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1, 19-20. That this world that God has made is constructed 
the same way. We can clearly see who the creator is. And so we have a knowledge of God just by observing his world. We get this knowledge of who God is. God's creation is so great and incredible that we don't, we don't do it justice in our description. We can write about his creation. We can try to describe his creation. We can paint his creation. And it won't do it any justice at all. We can write volumes trying to describe things like the ocean or the mountains to someone who has never seen them. And we would never do them justice. You can't adequately describe what God has created. Our simple minds, our simple minds may be, may be satisfied, but our description of his vast and magnificent creation will always be inadequate. Always be inadequate. We can't do it justice in the way that we describe it. Because it's so amazing. We're always going to leave out some significant details of what God has done in his creation. You go outside and you try to describe even trees. You can do your best to describe what you're seeing, but you will fail in describing it perfectly. His creation is amazing. What is amazing is that from the very beginning, God has been committed to his creation and has made a, co a covenantal love, had a covenantal love for his creation. Every part of creation was good. And it was how he intended it to be. Its goodness was dependent on him. And him alone. How good his creation is. Was only dependent on him. And if we compromise any of God's creation. It is the greatest injustice. That we can do to God. We can't duplicate. What God has created. This is the biosphere too. The Biosphere 2 was an attempt to set up an isolated living environment that would supply all the factors necessary, right, for sustaining life. It was to be self it was a self-contained microorganism of life on Earth, containing soil, air, water, plants, animals, everything that was needed. Biosphere 2 originally consisted of an airtight enclosure covering 3.15 acres in Arizona. And despite an investment of about $200 million from 1984 to about 1991, a multi-million dollar operating budget, almost unlimited technical support even, and heroic effort, it proved impossible to sustain eight human beings with ade adequate food 
and water and air for two years. Just 1.3 years after enclosure in 1991, oxygen levels had fallen to the point that oxygen had to be added from the outside. 19 of 25 vertebrae species placed in the unit became extinct. All the species that could pollinate the plants became extinct, as did most insects. Water and air pollution became acute, and temperature control was a problem. With all the intelligence put into the design of Biosphere 2, and all that money, it couldn't be made to work. Yet the wonderfully integrated ecosystem of Earth supposedly just happened without intelligent design. You cannot duplicate what God has created. Our God is amazing. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 describe the creation story. God created the universe in Genesis 1.1. He created, the, he created day and night, 3 through 5. He created land and the ocean, 6 through 10. He created the plants and the animals that would decorate this earth in 11 through 13 and, and 20 through 25. And last, he created human beings in his image in verse 26 through 27. At all points, God declared that it was good. God created the physical world and human beings who are both body and soul and called all of it good. God made a good creation. In Genesis, uh, Genesis 1 is one of the most stunning chapters in the Bible. Stunning. It's amazing to read. And the Bible starts this way. The Bible starts off with a bang. With verse 27, it says, in verse 26 through 27, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. How amazing to see that. You open the Bible and you see this. Where God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock. And all the wild animals. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So the writer finds it necessary to continue to repeat this. Male and female, he did what? Created them. Can I get an amen on that? That you are created in this image. You got to be excited about that. The essence of human nature can only be understood by comparing human nature with God himself. Not prehistoric beasts or anything else, but with the almighty God. 
That is how you understand you. By comparing you with the Almighty God Himself. Not with anyone else or anything else, I should say. In a unique creative act, God gave Adam life. But not only physical life, but the condition of being an individual. His own capacity to think, to feel, to love, to choose, to evaluate, to discern. All other parts of creation were called into being by God's spoken word. Hear me now. All other parts of creation were called into being by God's spoken word. But for man, God personally designed you. He didn't call you into being. He personally designed you. And then for women, woman, he did the same. He fashioned you. He just grabbed a rib from from Adam and said, here, I'm going to design you too. He didn't call you into being. He didn't say, let there be. That's like he said, let there be light. He didn't say, let there be man. He designed you. How awesome is that? You are designed by God. You are formed by God. Adam and Eve participate in the same likeness and image. And so I have three thoughts regarding being made in the image of like the unlikeness of God. Three quick thoughts here. All right. The first one is if I am made in the in the image and likeness of God. If I am made in the image of God, then I must have worth and value as an individual. And so it's irrelevant to compare myself with others. If my essential being can be understood by comparison with God. So it's irrelevant for me to compare myself with you or you or you. Because my essential being can be understood by comparison with a great creator. You follow me? Knowing that God made me in his image. And so I learned to love and to value me. I learned to love and value me. So I don't have to compare myself to anybody. My wife usually tells me how that I'm confident and this is part of why. I don't have to compare myself to anyone because I'm God's son. He created me in his image. And I'm fired up about that. Whether I gain a few pounds or lose a few pounds, it's still in his image. 
I don't got to look good for none of y'all. I'm in God's image. Have you ever noticed how we handle things of value? Like we, we, we wear a new watch or a piece of jewelry proudly and, you know, it's, it's, it's all cool. And, you know, I love sneakers, right? And I wear it proudly. And when we, when we lay it aside, we, we do so, we put it down carefully, right? We like, like, we put it, you know, we put it all nice and careful. You know, my wife can tell you, like, I value some of my stuff. And I'm like, I don't even want to loan it out. Sometimes she uses some of my stuff. And I'm like, hey, hey, whoa. Right? And we're very careful with it, right? We put it in a drawer where it won't get damaged or, or harmed. If you and I grasp the value of being created in God's image and likeness, we will come to appreciate ourselves too. And it's not being prideful. It's not being conceited. It's appreciating the fact that God Almighty created you. And he did good. We'll refuse to be degraded by others. We will reject temptations that would harm us physically or spiritually. Because we bear the image and likeness of the creator. We are too significant to ruin. We are too significant to spoil. We are too significant to mar. Can I get an amen? The other thing is, which is like this, my other thought. If others are made in the image and likeness of God. They must have worth and value as individuals. Whatever weakness they display. When I understand that every human being shares the image and likeness of God. I will treat others with respect. So the same way I feel about me. If I feel that same way about them too then I'm going to treat them with respect. I learned to overlook failures and to communicate love. Now, whatever failures somebody else makes, guess what? They were created by God. I realize that the existence of God's image, likeness, however distorted, here, there's, here's, Here's the kicker. However distorted by sin means that the other person can respond as I have to the love of God displayed in Jesus Christ. So even if they sin, guess what? Still created by God. And they can respond to Jesus Christ just like I did. So they're not treated any less. So I reach out to him or her with love. With kindness. With gentleness. 
with respect. The third thought I have. If men and women are made in the image and likeness of God. And men and women are made in the image and likeness of God. And look here. Let me just say this right away. I'm not getting political. But if men and women are made in the image and likeness of God. Each must have a worth and value that is independent of gender, race, and social status. When I truly understand that every human being shares with me God's image and likeness, I begin to set aside prejudice that drives so much of human behavior today. I learned to see women as people and appreciate all they have to contribute in the family, the workplace, and in God's church. I become colorblind and set aside categories like black and white. Who cares? Rich and poor. And begin to treat each person I meet with respect and affection. When this happens, I have learned when all this happens, guys, when all these thoughts take place and all this happens, I have learned the lesson of Genesis 1, 26 through 27 and begun to understand how precious others are to the God who created them. And then I can be effective in sharing the gospel. Because they're like me. They were created like me. We're all created the same purpose, same reason, just the same. Yes, God created us. But if I could divert just for a little bit and say God created us, but he, but he created us to live together as well. And for some of us, change the world. Well, for all of us to change the world. Why would God create this world? The best answers include the idea of his goodness and to display his glory. God's dazzling display. Stephen Lawson says, God's dazzling display of sovereignty and creation was a primer on his right to rule in matters of salvation. God who commanded the light to appear on day one of creation soon would order gospel light to shine in the darkened hearts of spiritually blind sinners. You know, rather than getting bogged down, rather than getting bogged down in minute details, the author of Genesis focused on telling, telling its first readers how the world is meant to function and for what purpose. And so to, to paraphrase another author, um, John Walton, the author of uh, Genesis the author of Genesis is what he's what he's doing is he's telling us how God turned 
this house into a home. When we go to our friend's house, right, we don't care about brick, mortar, wood, electrical wiring, the plumbing behind the walls. Can you imagine sitting down for dinner and just being like, hey, so how's the plumbing behind your walls? How's that working out for you? How's how's the how's the wiring like? Has it been pretty good? It's not. We don't really care about all that. We don't care about what was used in the construction. We don't care about the how of the house. Instead, we're more interested in how the space is used and how it can facilitate. Relationship. What is the function? How is this world meant to function? How are we to behave? How are we supposed to have relationship with one another? What are we, what is our purpose in this world? It's to act as God's creation and to spread the gospel. What is our purpose? What kind of world would you create? Many of our teens know what knows they know what's up here. What would it look like? Some of the most popular video games have been games where you could create your own world, right? Fascinating. Games like Minecraft, Roblox, and Lego worlds give people a way to create and imagine their own world. See, that intuition and curiosity for creativity and, and building comes from being created in the image of the creator of the universe. Teens, you wouldn't have the curiosity you have for games. If it weren't for God. You wouldn't have the curiosity you have for like Legos and building things if it weren't for God. That comes from the almighty God. Whenever we desire to create, it stems from the image of God. You know, within biblical theology, and I'm closing out here. Within biblical theology, it remains the case that the one living God created a world that is other than himself. Not contained within himself. It's other than himself. Creation was from the beginning an act of love. Of affirming the goodness of the other. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. But it was not itself divine. You know, I was telling um, the South family group the other day that I was reading something that was so fascinating to me, that was so awesome. It talked about God before creation, and just, just how the Trinity, it's like, why Trinity? Why God 
Jesus, Holy Spirit. And it just ta- it surrounded, it talked about the co- this concept of love in the Trinity. The fact that God needed, not needed, but God wanted an object of love. Hence Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was there to execute that love. And so we have God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And all of this was happening way before creation. So when it came to creation, when God created man, God was already excellent at love. Because he had the Trinity for practice, in essence. And so when it was time to create, and when it was time to create man, and when it was time to create the world, he was like, look, I got this love thing on straight. And I'm ready to create and to love. Now, what is amazing about that is that all this time, for for however long, infinite years before creation, that he was loving Jesus, that when he created man, and he would give his one and only son that he would was his object of love. He gave him free. Who he barely knew. Because he just created you. And he would give his son who he infinitely loved for you. Now that is love. For you who he created in his image. He deserves our worship. This week, let us worship God, if for no other reason, but because he's our creator God who deserves all glory. Amen. Amen, amen. Can we give J.D. another hand? Amen. Amen. Such a good reminder to just look back at all the things God has allowed me to create for his glory. You know, we are not we are not made by mistake. You know, no. Thank you guys so much for joining us Um, at this time. We're going to sing a quick song led by Mr. Nathan Martin. 701. We're going to sing. Amen. All right. Yeah, let's just, yeah, let's stand up. So uh, words to this are pretty simple. The word to this is pretty simple. It's just amen. <laughs> so, amen. 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 Lying in the manger. picture. All right. uh, So January 31st, 1995. Um, That's Green Lake, Washington. It's about uh, 10 minutes north of uh, Seattle, Washington. And in January 31st, 1995, there were 12 people surrounding me praying because I wasn't going to get baptized that night. Uh, It was uh, the water. The water was about 39 degrees. 
And man, I, I, I just remember shaking and uh, really cold going to that water. But I remember vividly coming out and very, very happy. And, uh, the, the, and, and so it, it, was, it was just amazing. The, the crazy thing about it is the night before, January, on January 30th, 1995, so that was a Tuesday, but Monday night, I almost decided to call it off. Because I knew what getting baptized, the implications. It wasn't just a symbol. It was a commitment that I was not ready to take. And I didn't think I was going to go with it. Cause I, and I thought, if I get baptized and make Jesus the Lord of my life, the trajectory of my life was going to change dramatically. But the scripture helped me. I prayed, and I think the Holy Spirit that night helped me out on a Monday night. And the next day... I went to uh, uh, Stone Eleazar, which is the minister at the time, said, I'm, re and I'm ready to go. And Wilt Watkins, the guy who reached out to me. Um, so let's, let's turn to the next. Uh, this is the scripture that helped me out. And I'm going to read it. It says, Romans, in, Romans 6, verse 3 to 7. All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We have been united with him in a death like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So before I, I, I go to that a little bit, when, when you guys see, we, we have the cross right in, right in front right here. When you guys see that, what do you see? Mm. I think a lot of times we go, we see the death of Jesus, right? What Jesus died for us. But, but now when I look at that, I, I go, you know what? I see my death. This is when I died. Because on January 31st, 1995, it says, I died because through my baptism, I was baptized into his death. I participated in his death. I was crucified with Jesus. Now, the great thing is, the awesome thing is Jesus took the pain. He did it. He carried it. But my sin was crucified on that cross. So it wasn't just a symbol. It wasn't just a, you know, hey, it's a proclamation that you're now a Christian. No, it was, there was a spiritual power going on at my baptism. You know, it says, buried with him. He says, baptized into his death. Buried with him through baptism into death. And raised from the dead. So there, there is a parallel going on with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection with our own baptism. In our, when, we went, when we went down the water, we died. Just like Jesus. Our sins were crucified. Our old self died. And then he said, we were buried with him. So under the water, we were when Jesus was buried for three days, we also were buried. And then he said he was raised from the dead. Uh, raised from the dead. So the same way that Jesus was resurrected after the, th the third days, 
when we came out of the waters of baptism, we were resurrected. We are a new person, a new Darius, a new purpose, a new everything. And, and I go, wow, I died. And I look at the cross now and go, that's not just when Jesus died. That's when I died. My sin, my old self was crucified along with Jesus. And to think the night before, I almost missed out. I almost go, you know what? No, I don't want that. I don't want that. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't even make sense uh, uh, logically, you know. I, I try to put my engineering logic to it and you go, you know, what baptism, you know, that? but there was a spiritual thing going on that we are not aware of at baptism. And, and I want to implore you, I want to implore you to look at baptism and go, that is the participation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's when your old self dies and a new person is come. Uh, uh, is raised. It's not my doctrine. It's in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just like, I can't argue with that. That's in the scriptures. So as we take the communion, let's, let's, let, let's, this is God's appeal to us. Participate in his death, burial, and resurrection. Nail our sins to the cross. This is just like, that's why Jesus said, I implore you. On God's behalf. And so I let, let's pray. Let's take the communion. But let's look. Let's, re, let's remember when we were crucified on the cross. Not just when Jesus was crucified. But we participated with him. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are humbled. That. We get to participate in your death, burial, and resurrection. And that you gave us a gift of baptism. It's not just a symbol. It's not just a, uh, some empty uh, act. But God, there is a spiritual power going on. And I thank you, fathers. We take the communion. Let us remember how our sins were crucified on the cross. That's what the scripture says. That's not what I say. That's what you say, Father. And thank you so much for the opportunity to, to, to participate in that, for the gift of salvation, for the gift of baptism, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the gift of entering the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.